politics, pop culture, and a whole bunch of other things that start with the letter P. The Mark Harvard Podcast. Who knew that optimism could sound so sarcastic? Hey, 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 welcome in to episode 20 of the Mark Harvard Podcast. Man, 20 episodes. Can't believe we're already here, but we are. And I got to thank you all for coming along on this crazy ride. Um, This is like a passion project that I started up. Uh, My name is Mark Harvard. Otherwise, the the name of the podcast becomes rather awkward. Um, 25-year veteran. In, in radio, and I left a few couple years ago full time to uh, to go into uh, to ministry. But at the same time, I uh, I did some I do some like side work and stuff like that. And I finally just decided, you know what, I want to do it my way. And so I started up this podcast for that reason as an outlet. And uh, you guys have just been awesome. You've come alongside uh, and joined with the podcast, and uh, you know come out to events. You've you've patronized the sponsors, and I really appreciate all of that. And uh, yeah, we, we're gonna just keep on going. See how far we can go. Uh, like I said, this has been fun. I've had a blast doing this. <laughs> And I hope it's okay for you too. Uh, once again, don't forget you can follow us anywhere on social media. We've got a Facebook page. Uh, we've got a YouTube page channel. We do YouTube every week. We also uh, do live uh, broadcasts. Uh, we have one uh, actually today's Friday. We're doing one uh, today at one Central Time. A live broadcast over on on the Mark Harvard Podcast Twitch channel. We're doing a a live a live hour over there. Um, also, we're on Instagram. You can follow me on on Twitter at Mark Harvard and uh, everywhere else. So uh, yeah, don't forget to subscribe and like everything and and push the little bell for alerts on the YouTube channel uh, and all that. So let's jump right into it, shall we? <laughs> uh, I know I realized that was a lot all at once, but uh, but you know we'll have we're gonna have fun. Uh, let's start out a little bit. Um, you ever wonder what it would be like? A lot of people start off their work career by working in fast food. Um, I never did that. My first, Luckily, my first job was at a radio station. I did work at like a mid-level food place uh, when, I was, when I was, I guess, in my mid-20s as kind of a side hustle. It was a little a Greek restaurant, and I did expo in the kitchen and that sort of stuff. But a lot of people got their start in fast food. Maybe it's, you know, the McDonald's or Burger King or Subway or whatever. And a lot of those places, they really sell come work for us because they say, we, we you know, we promote from within. There's a lot of advancement opportunities. And you could even own your own franchise at some point. And for someone that is walking in the door, that sounds like, a pretty good option, you know. Man, I can I can own my own business and do all this other stuff. Well, what you don't remember during that time is that when you own a franchise, a lot of places have really strict franchise contracts, and because if they don't, they get messed up. The brand name suffers. I have a buddy of mine, and uh, he actually owns a barbecue place in, uh, in, in here in the Birmingham area, and he decided to franchise out another franchise out another location south of town. And I talked to him afterwards. He said, I'll never do that again. He said, I could never get consistent quality. I wasn't there every single day. So I couldn't make sure that things were done correctly. And it was hard to hire the right people and and that sort of thing. So he said, I'll never do it again. I'll never franchise out, uh, which stinks because I enjoyed the food. And, you know, I, I kind of, you know, it's really good barbecue. And here in, the, here in Alabama, we know barbecue. And so he did a he does a good job with his original restaurant, and I was kind of hoping that was gonna spread out a little bit. But yeah, franchises 
are tough. And so that's why a lot of these organizations have to have franchise agreements and contracts to make sure that all their stores operate with some sort of, uh, of consistency. So that if you go into a subway, you know it's, I mean, you know what to expect when you go to a subway. You know what to expect when you go to McDonald's. You know what to expect when you go to a Zaxby's or a Chick-fil-A or something like that. They're, they they like that consistency, and that's the that's what that name conveys. Otherwise, it's, it's just Joe's Sub Shop or, you know, you know Barbara's Wing Place or whatever, um, which is nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, people, if you're traveling, you want to know it's going to be a certain thing. So... A, a new study came out over on Business Insider that talked a little bit about uh, franchise agreements for Subway and how strict they are. And they reported that closing down due to a snowstorm or a power cut or a terror attack could breach the rules of some of their franchise agreements. And they actually banned franchises from criticizing the chain. It's pretty weird. Uh, they, they've and these are these aren't these aren't. Oh, these are newer rules for franchises. That means that uh, barring an act of God, your franchise can be taken over by the company. And that means franchises could lose their stores if they close them multiple times due to a snowstorm or a power cut or a terrorist attack. The new contracts also include clauses barring franchises from criticizing the chain and requiring them to participate in reward programs and marketing promotions, some of which, such as the $5 footlong, have been a point of contention among franchises because they say that they can't make a profit with that special so the new contracts last 20 years yeah i know and are given are being given out to new franchises as well as existing ones whose contracts are expiring so if a franchise doesn't want to sign their royalties rise to 10 percent up from eight so they have to pay more in legal experts told the post that uh, the new york post rather that an act of god just covers the most severe and unexpected of natural disasters like a flood in the store or an earthquake in the store and is unlikely to cover events like snowstorms and electrical outages and terrorism. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they interviewed this guy named Paul Steinberg. He was an attorney. He said that uh, when I was a franchisee, my subway was just outside the 9-11 frozen zone. Since terrorism would not have been an act of God under New York law, if this new franchise agreement had been in effect, subway could have taken my store. And Subway did not immediately respond to an insider's request for a comment. So the franchisees aren't happy about the new contracts because, you know, they, you know, you don't want to risk your store. And you want to be, if you own a, a, a if you own a company or own a business, you want to be able to run that business as you see fit. You don't want outsiders telling you that, yes, you can close here or no, you can't close there or that sort of thing. You want to be able to run it the way you think you should run it. Because the people that are making these decisions aren't in town. They're not in this culture, in this city. They don't know what is culturally okay and what's not okay. And I've you know, I've done I've dealt with that with radio for a while. So I get that whole man that whole remote management thing. People don't understand, you know, what's gonna fly here, what's not, and you know, you, you can tell a mile off when something's not gonna work because the people around here are not gonna buy into that. Uh, but you can't explain to someone in New York or Pennsylvania or whatever um, that that's not going to work until it falls flat on its face. And you go, and, and, and then you, and even then you're an underling and you can't say, well, I told you so. <laughs> you can't do that. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a very restrictive thing. But what do you think? I mean, is it worth it to still have that name? Or do you think that something like this might actually bring open the small business? You know, I mean, 
here in Birmingham, uh, we've got a lot of small businesses that make some amazing food. Uh, Birmingham is has become kind of a city that's known for its food, and uh, you know there, there, for a while there there was an emerging beer, a craft beer market that seems to have. They're all still there, but it's not the big thing anymore. I don't think. Um, but Birmingham has become qu- a, quite a food area, and there are a lot of them around around the nation. But uh, Birmingham is being known for its food quite well, and so. I think in the Birmingham area, you may end up with someone being able to open up a, a, a restaurant or something like that and it do okay without that giant chain name. But other areas, especially small towns where you, where you I mean, people, if you're like located on an interstate, you got to have that small, I mean, have that, that, that monk here of subway people, people driving through town, they know what subway is. They don't know what Joe's is, you know? So if as a business owner it's kind of a it's kind of a trade off, you know? So I th- what do you think though? Leave a, leave a, leave a note in the comments um on the Facebook page and let me know what you think about this. Do you think that is it worth it to get the 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 name and get stuck into a 20-year franchise contract where you may or may not lose your store? I mean, uh, I'm not sure I could do that. I'm really not. So a lot of people, you know, we, we've got the YouTube channel for the podcast, and I do little weekly things on there, but there's a, there are a lot of podcasts over on, on YouTube, and one of the busiest one is one called Frenemies, and it crashed and burned in less than a week. It was hosted by uh, Trisha Paytas and Ethan Klein, and the news came after the pair argued in an explosive episode. They've since told their respective sides of the story in tweets and multiple videos. But anyway, so one of the one of the most popular ones on YouTube was one called Frenemies. I've never seen it. It's not one that I actually follow all that much. But since uh, Paytas announced they would be stepping down after a heated episode, it looks like the series' nine-month roller coaster has come to an end. Only nine months long. It started in September of 2020. It's been hosted by YouTubers Paytas and Klein. The pair have had a turbulent relationship since, since 2019, a few public spats, but in the past year, they've developed a strong friendship. And they've even set to become family once Paytas marries her fiancé, Klein's brother-in-law, Moses. So I need a whiteboard chart for this. Um, it was a chance, the, the, the podcast was kind of a, a way for them to come together, air their grievances about each other, which could be interesting. It created, you know, different conversations about realities of living with mental illness, huge part in controversies about top creators and, and different stuff. But the show also hung in kind of a balance because, you know, when you've got people that have that kind of beef with each other, things come up and you you kind of feel like you need to dance around some stuff. So, on one occasion, Paytas kind of stormed off the set following an argument. On one occasion, uh, Paytas, who uses uh, they-them pronouns, so yeah, that's what you're dealing with there, uh, walked off in tears when Klein called them a dangerous person to be close to, and they have finally just reached the end of it. They've, And I can't say, from just from hearing the premise of this show, I can't say that I'm really all that shocked that things would escalate. You know, because you're you're putting it, it, it's one thing to talk your way through problems with people. It's another thing to do it in public. Because you can open up a little more when you're in private. You're just talking it one-on-one with those, that person. You can make yourself a little more vulnerable. And you can, you, you can actually get to the real meat of the problem. If you're doing it as part of a podcast, 
I mean, I love you guys, but you know, there are certain things that I'm, you know, are private that I'm going to keep, you know, back from you guys. Uh, and I, I consider myself pretty open. I mean, I've always lived my life out on the radio. When my first wife passed away, I talked about it on the radio. When I started dating again, I talked about it on the radio. When I, you know, when I got engaged, when my first son was born, I talked about it on the radio. I live my life out in my audience. But stuff like this, I feel like there would need to be some sort of of pre-work done on it, you know? I don't think you can just hash these things out and these issues out in a public forum and expect it to be productive. And, and I'll give you a case and example. I had a buddy of mine in college, and he and I are cool now. It's fine. We've talked it all through because, you know, adults. But um, in college, he dated a girl for a, a good amount of time, and they broke up, and he dated someone else for a little bit. And through that through that 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 exchange um i dated so i started dating the original girl that he had been dating which i know was a breaking of the pro code and i get that um believe me i paid the price he and i didn't speak for like a year and finally one evening he and i sat down and we talked it out and i told him i was sorry and i apologized um and he and i made peace and we were good we were good. Um, I, I I mourn that year that he and I, because he and I were really good friends. He actually hosted a, a, a radio show over at the University of Alabama uh, at, on their college station. We hosted a show together. Uh, we were really good friends. But uh, and I, I mourn that year we weren't that we were not. Um, but that was something we never could have we never could have hashed out in a public forum. He and I had to sit down and really just talk it out in a very vulnerable and a very real place not sure doing it on a on a podcast is the most healthy way to do that yeah (laughs) oh stick around coming up after the break we're going to talk a little bit about things that will be true about growing churches in the future a new barna poll came out and it's very surprising about what the church might look like going forward also we're going to talk a little bit about this new movie that's coming out that I'm actually really excited about. Uh, you folks remember Jim and Tammy Faye Baker? New movies coming out, and the casting once surprises me, but the trailer looks fantastic. Also, a guy has designed a euthanasia coaster. It's a roller coaster that you only ride once because, well, there's the other part of that name. I'll give you all the details on that as well. Stick around. More coming up. It's the Mark Harvard Podcast. I'll be back. The Mark Harvard Podcast. I'd like to thank Old World Lumiere Candle Company for their continued sponsorship of the show. These guys are great, and there's still time to get your dad a candle for Father's Day. That's right, Old World has the traditional candles like vanilla and lavender, but they also have manly scents like leather and bourbon. Not together, apart. These things come in glass containers. They look awesome sitting on a dresser or a desk. Check them out online at owlcandlecompany.com. O-W-L candlecompany.com. Or grab Dad something uh, for Father's Day that'll make his world smell just a little better. Old World Lumiere Candle Company at OwlCandleCompany.com. Summer's here, and it is time to update that summer wardrobe with some merch from the Mark Harvard Podcast. Go to MarkHarvardCreative.com right now and click the store link to go get t-shirts, polos, bags, and hats with the Mark Harvard Podcast logo on them. You can also pick up our famous Jesus Soundwave design featuring the audio Soundwave of the name Jesus. All that and so much more found at markharvardcreative.com today. 
find us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at markharvardcreative.com. The Mark Harvard Podcast. And we are back. Welcome back to the Mark Harvard Podcast. Hope you're having a great day so far. Don't forget, we need your help. We need to, your help to grow the YouTube channel. We got uh, content that goes up there every single week. And uh, I'm trying to get that channel to grow a little bit because I want a custom uh, URL for it to make it easier for people to find. But to get that, I need subscribers. So what I need you to do is go to YouTube, log in to YouTube, and do a search for the Mark Harvard Podcast. And when you get there, you'll see that picture of me with the red background. And um, subscribe to that. And also click that little uh, thumbs up button. And also click the little bell so you know get to find out when we have new content. Uh, when we do the live streams, when we do uh, we post little shorts and and things like that. Um, we do that throughout the week. Love for you to follow along on our little journey. So okay, so I mentioned this before the break, and I came across this story from uh, Barna Barna Research. Um, I follow a guy named Kerry Newhoff a lot, who I think is just absolutely brilliant. Uh, he's one of my people. If you could sit down, you know, with two people and have lunch one day, uh, I would sit down with Kerry Newhoff and John Acuff, and I feel like I would walk out of that lunch better prepared to do ministry and do just yeah. I feel like I would be I would be a better person after that lunch. So, um, but yeah, Kerry Newhoff is fantastic. But he posted an article, uh, a study uh, from Barna that mentions some uh, some some results from a thing that they did and it's a, it's it's basically asking the question what churchgoers miss about in-person services but it's broken down by generation so they asked a bunch of folks what did you miss about attending in-person worship services um and there are three groups millennials gen xers and baby boomers now i am firmly in the gen x camp um i'm actually in it by 3 years so and I'm, I was the quintessential Gen X kid in college. I mean, the long hair, uh, the scruffy neck beard, flannel everywhere, all the all year round. I mean, yeah, I was a stereotype of, of '90s wonderfulness in college. But uh, Gen Xers are pretty much in the middle on everything. The two outliers are boomers. And millennials, and there are some that don't surprise me in the least, just because it's the nature of that group. But some of these responses were kind of, wow, okay. For example, what did people miss about being in in-person service? Uh, the the question was listening to a live sermon. Twenty-five percent of baby boomers said they missed, they primarily missed listening to a live sermon or a homily. Go to millennials; it's only twelve. It does not matter as much to them. Uh, they're okay. But then again, once again, this is a group. Live doesn't mean much to them. This is a group that's used to being, they, they've never lived in a world where they couldn't pause live TV. Not saying they had it at home, but TiVo was a thing. That technology was out there. They always, they've always known that the possibility was there to pause live TV or live movies. They've never had to worry about, am I watching this live or is it a replay? So... That was very interesting and also gives credence to to online church and how how you approach, you know, how if you're a church, you you, you approach that online campus sort of thing. Uh, next, the next one was connecting with my church leaders in person. Uh, only 14 percent of boomers cared about that. 
16% of millennials. So it's kind of even across the uh, across the board. Volunteering. Now, this one spoke volumes. That's child care. That's hospitality. That's tech support, uh, et cetera. Volunteering in service to the church. Millennials, 16% said they missed that. For boomers, only 7 It was more important for millennials to volunteer and be part of the life of the church than for baby boomers. That, that speaks volumes to me. And makes me really raise an eyebrow. Um, having childcare when I attend services, five percent of millennials said that was that they missed that. I guess they need the break. Zero percent of boomers because all their kids are are grown, so that's not really going to bother them. Now, meeting in person was pretty even across the board. Sixteen percent for uh, for for uh, millennials, eighteen percent for boomers, nineteen percent for Gen X. Um, but here's the last one that kind of made me raise an eyebrow. Live music. Now, granted, the younger folks, the millennials, even the Gen Xers, they miss going to concerts more, a little more than the boomers do. So 12% of boomers missed live music. 20% of millennials missed live music. Very interesting. So where does this bring us? What does this mean? Uh, this survey was taken from August to September in 2020. So this was firmly in the middle of the lockdown. Uh, the sample sizes for Gen Z and for elder churchgoers are too low to report. So they really couldn't include those out those super outlier um, sections. But um, yeah, what do we get from this? Well, we get the priorities for people in worship and in for and what they consider to be part of being in a church um we get different people that that uh that live in a in a world that you can always get things on demand but that they want to be able to experience live music they they are ministered to by music versus an older generation that more than anything um their biggest thing that they missed was 31% they missed taking communion where it's only 16% for millennials it just it, it's and and a lot of that comes from what they're used to growing up with and and where they they find those those reflections of their faith so it's very interesting i feel like we can learn a lot from this i'm actually going to post this over on the uh, on the facebook page and uh, and I'll let you let you take a take a gander at this at this chart. Maybe you can finally uh, maybe you can help find some insights on it and leave your comments there in the comment section. I, I would really love to hear what you have to say about that. Um, this is interesting. A new movie is on the way following the rise and fall of Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Um, do you remember those two? You know they had the, they had the network, uh, the PTL network. There, you know. Tammy Faye was a singer. Jim was kind of the pastor, mastermind behind everything. Jim spent some time in the clink. Uh, Tammy Faye, I think, did she remarry? I want to say she did remarry. Um, and she has since passed away. But they've got Andrew Garfield, you know, former Spider-Man. Andrew Garfield as Jim Baker, which I would scoff at had I not seen the trailer first. And you know what? He pulls it off. Uh, Jessica Chastain is gonna be Tammy Faye, and they've got them. There's some prosthetics involved, you know, making them look the right way and everything. But it works. It really works. Now, you '80s kids, you remember they were they had a Christian theme park. They they were all about the moral majority, transforming evangelicals into like a political force and a cultural force. Made millions off their business, and a large part of that was illegal. 
And that's why Jim ended up going to jail. Uh, that and a, a huge sex scandal was, you know, that kind of exposed everything. And so the whole thing came crashing down around him. And it's a, yeah, I, honestly, I'm surprised it took this long for this to be a movie. But it is a pretty big story. And they're finally getting to tell it in a movie form. I think this looks fantastic. And yeah, <laughs> it's called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Um, it's going to have Jerry, you know, Jerry Faldwell in it. Uh, Gary, uh, uh, Gabriel Olds as Pat Robertson. All those big players from the 80s that uh, have since fallen out of favor. Um, they're all going to be depicted in this thing. I think this could be fantastic. I am really looking forward to this one coming out. And it appears in theaters on September 17th. So I might actually have to repair, return to a movie theater for this. And I've been one that's been going out of my way to support um, streaming at home because as a parent of a young child, I want that to continue to be an option even after we go back. So Jenny and I, my wife and I, we've we've gone out of our way to try to support uh, streaming at home. But I might actually go to the theater for, for this one. This is pretty, uh, pretty interesting. Um, have you seen this story? Uh, Jess Hardeman actually wrote this article over, uh, over on... Uh, LAD Bible. Um, a man has designed a euthanasia coaster that you can only ride once. The thing starts with a big old giant hill and a huge plunge, and then it goes through like a bunch of loop de loops, um, each one getting smaller and smaller. So he's designed this thing, and it's capable of holding 24 passengers. Once they're all on board, there's a slow ascent to the top, which is 510 meters in the air, just a little bit smaller than the tallest building in America. Once they're at the top, it gives everyone the decision to stop and go back down safely. After that, everyone has to manually press a button to start the ride. Then it falls at a speed of 223 miles per hour and goes through seven loops that keep getting smaller and smaller. So... The guy behind this, he explains, riding the coaster's track, the rider is subjected to a series of intensive motion elements that inter that induce various unique experiences, from euphoria to thrill, and from tunnel vision to loss of consciousness, and eventually death. So they're saying that basically you're going to pass out before you get to the bottom of all this, because of all the G-forces that are, are brought up, and then you'll, you'll pass. He said basically the sensation is you relax, you press the fall button, Switch the ultimate surrender to gravity. No, you realize, in fact, it is even greater than just giving up, as in, in the blink of an eye, you enter the heart line, the whirling element of the coaster track, where your heart roughly stays roughly in line with the center of the fall trajectory. In other words, your body spins around the heart while you fall, which makes all the blood go to the extremities. And you pass out. So... They're, they're calling it cerebral suffocation, and it's known as cerebral hypoxia that's uh, going to kill you. The rest of the ride proceeds with your body being numb, ensuring that the trip ends your life. You die or miraculously put your brain, your brain dies of complete oxygen deprivation, uh, a legal indicator of death in many jurisdictions. So and they've got biomonitoring suits that you wear that, you know, that, that they, they find out if you, in the unlikely event, you may need a second round, which by then you are knocked out but if you haven't quite passed they can let you go back up on it and run through again oh man so for the for the obvious thing I mean 24 people 
how many passed away with Heaven's Gate? I mean, is this a way to do that? First of all, I don't think this is ever going to get constructed. No, Nobody's going to want to put their money behind something like this. It's been designed. I don't think this is ever going to actually happen. Um, if nothing else, you have, how do you how, how would one decorate the queue? <laughs> you know, I mean, there's no theme here. Um, but then you got to get 24 people to all agree at once to do this. And I guarantee you at least one person in that 24 is going to say, ah, never mind. I give up. I'm not going to do it. No, no, no. And it takes forever. So I, it's never going to get built, but it's an interesting concept that it gives you gives somebody the opportunity to turn back and then give, some, give them another. I mean, if you decide to get on it. You still have to push a button to 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 at the at the top. The most beautiful part of that, they give you one last look at God's grace. Here's what, by the way, here's God's kingdom. You don't get that if you do this. So I mean, they're they're really are baiting at the last minute, but um, but yeah, I just I'm kind of glad it's never going to get built. Because here's the thing, I don't, you know, I don't agree with it. And I feel like before someone would need to get on this, they'd need to go and undergo, undergo all kinds of psychological stuff. And I feel like that would need to ha- that would need to happen. But yeah, what do you think? Uh, let me know over on the Facebook page or or uh, in the comments for the YouTube channel and all that. Um, finally, one last thing. I came across this article, uh, <laughs> and it is the most American article ever. <laughs> It's a study that came out. Um, let me see who. I'm trying to see who did this. YouGov did this study uh, in April of two, of this year. They basically asked Americans what animals they think they could beat in hand to hand combat. And let me just tell you, Americans six percent of Americans think they could beat a grizzly bear in hand to hand combat. That's also how many people would die fighting a grizzly bear. But yeah, um, and there's a whole big rundown. First off, they, they they start off with pretty reasonable, you know, 72% of people think they could beat a rat in hand-to-hand combat. That still leaves 28% that don't think they could do it, which kind of concerns me. Uh, a house cat, 69%. A goose, 61 Gooses are jerks. So yeah, uh, it plummets at that point. Medium-sized dog, 49%. If you want to fight an eagle in hand-to-hand combat or hand-to-talon combat, 30% think they could beat an eagle. A large dog, chimpanzee, a king. 15% think they could beat a king cobra in hand-to-hand combat. Also because a king cobra doesn't have hands. So, But still, uh, a kangaroo, now we're getting into delusional people because there's no way a human beats a kangaroo in hand-to-hand combat. Just hand-to-hand. You know, there's no, no weapons. It's just, yeah. Kangaroos are mean. Uh, a wolf, ten twelve percent. Uh, crocodile, nine percent. A gorilla, eight percent. Nope. Elephant, eight percent. Eight percent of Americans think they could beat an elephant in hand-to-hand combat. A lion, eight percent, and six percent grizzly bear. Man, there are some delusional people out there. <laughs> Oh, thanks for joining today. It's been fun. I've had a good uh, a good show today. I've, I've enjoyed this. This has been interesting. So uh, if you have any feedback on everything, let us know. Leave it in the uh, comments on the Facebook page. You can also email me, mark at markharvardcreative.com. 
Com. Don't forget to share the podcast with your friends, your family, and go by and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, when we get a little more, uh, a few more subscribers, we'll start doing some more uh, content there more than once a week. But yeah, uh, we'll see you over there as well. Have a fantastic week, and I'm out. The Mark Harvard Podcast.